This is a special report by National Native News and the Associated Press. A warning to listeners, this broadcast deals with the issue of sexual assault and violence and contains strong language. If you or anyone you know is seeking support or needs to report abuse, you can call the Strong Hearts Native Helpline at 1-844-762-8483 or the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. A single-engine Cessna caravan lands in the village of Shaktulik, Alaska, after an hour and a half in the air and two stops. Clarice Hardy is waiting by the airstrip with her uncle's red truck. It's the only vehicle running this day. The four-wheeler that usually takes passengers into town wouldn't start because of the cold. Her mother's bright red house is just yards from the Norton Sound, a bay in the Bering Strait. Hardy is a Nupiak. She opens the door to a warm, open kitchen and a living area with large sofas against the back walls. The sun is starting its low winter arc over the sea. Everyone here knows Hardy as Bun. I call this my mom's wall of Bun. Um, That's me my senior year. We went to state and we played Wainwright for championships and lost by three points. But within the, we played three games at state and within those three games I scored 93 points. And this is my um, basketball uniform with my state medals. This house and the history inside is a sanctuary for Hardy. She moved back to Shaktulik in December because she said she no longer felt safe in Nome. Here in Shaktulik, we're a pretty tight-knit family, one big family. And part of the reason why I came back too was to heal for myself, to be at the roots of where I started. If I'm going to start over, this is where I want to start. Hardy says she needed to start over after a series of personal setbacks and public injustices at the hands of people entrusted to protect her and other known residents. The criminal justice system, her union, her work colleagues, even those she thought were close friends, all betrayed her. And I went from being a very active person, going to every community event, helping out, volunteering, to being scared to be in public. Hardy is just one of the few women to speak publicly about her alleged sexual assault. But she is one of many women in Nome who reported sexual assault and found their cases stalled, dropped, or never investigated in the first place. Together, the police department and city officials made up a system of neglect and incompetence that has left countless women and girls feeling isolated and traumatized. Some are hospitalized over worries they will harm themselves. Each points to the inaction that followed their assault as the cause of their later duress. In Nome, community outrage has forced city and police leaders from office, and new leaders promise a new era of trust and transparency. But the promise of reform faces a skeptical public, especially among Nome's Alaska Native residents, who say they encounter indifference from an overwhelmingly non-Native power structure. The guy that drugged me and raped me and his girlfriend and her friend that broke into my apartment and assaulted me later are still walking the streets. Hardy was a 911 dispatcher for the Nome Police Department. One morning in March 2017, after a night out with some friends, she woke up to her work colleague banging on her front door. 
She had overslept and was late for work. She was naked from the waist down. Her head was splitting. She was achy and bruised. She didn't remember getting home the night before. In the following days, other people filled in the missing details, including multiple reports from people who saw a video and photos on Snapchat of a man apparently sexually assaulting her while she was unconscious. One of those was Thomas Penatek, at the time a known community services officer. From what I saw, it looked like Bun was completely passed out with her face down. Uh, honestly, it looked like she was sleeping. And was on top of her having sex with her. It took a day or two for Hardy to come to the realization she needed to file a police report. She turned to her friend, known police lieutenant Nick Harvey, who worked in the same building. She gave him her account and a list of witnesses, including those who said they'd seen the Snapchat video and pictures. She said he told her he was going to talk to the witnesses and collect evidence. Big relief off my part, like knowing something's going to happen, you know. But as the months passed, Hardy said it became clear the lieutenant had not interviewed the witnesses or investigated the allegations. She says the sexual assault and the subsequent inaction by authorities started to take a heavy emotional toll. To where I started drinking every day, to where I needed it, where I, as soon as I would wake up, that's the first thing I would look for was just something to drink, just to numb, numb myself. Because I didn't know how to deal. I've never dealt with what I call trauma. Didn't know how to handle it. I felt so alone. At work a year after her assault, Hardy answered an emergency call. On the other end of the phone was the voice of the man she accuses of rape. He needed help with an emergency, and she did help him. But Hardy had a strong reaction hearing his voice. As soon as she hung up the phone, she remembers breaking down in tears. She went to the known police chief and told him about her situation. He seemed surprised, she said, and asked her to rewrite her complaint because they couldn't find any original police report. Hardy says the police chief told her he was forwarding her case to the Alaska State Troopers, AST, to investigate, and that she should hear back from them in about a week. Another big relief, like, okay, something is going to happen. Thinking that I'll finally get somewhere. The rest of March passed, April passed, half of May gone. Still no word from AST. Hardy finally called the state trooper's office in Nome. She says they told her they never received any report of her assault from Nome police. Hardy kept going up the chain of command. She reported to the human resources officer, the regional union manager, and eventually Alaska's Office of Victims' Rights. Shortly afterwards, she got a personal visit at work from Harvey, the police lieutenant who originally took her complaint. He had just been in a meeting with a group of other Alaska Native sexual assault survivors who by this point had organized and were bringing their concerns about the lack of police enforcement to the attention of city officials. Nick comes in and he knows that I talked to Chief, I talked to the union, he knows everything, I'm talking to Alaska State Troopers, and I was like, what's going on, you know? I just got done dealing with those And I turned around and I just started crying. Because I know he's referring to me. <laughs> I didn't go back. I haven't gone back to work. That was my last day. National Native News reached out to Nick Harvey for comment. 
He declined to be interviewed for the story. He's no longer employed by the Nome Police Department. Hardy talked to HR. She was put on administrative leave, then medical leave. The city eventually fired her. 17 months after Hardy first reported her assault to the Nome Police Department, she followed up with the district attorney's office. They never received a report and didn't even know about her case. The region's lead prosecutor decided not to pursue the case, telling Hardy that he didn't have enough evidence that a crime occurred. By then, the photos and video had disappeared. She wrote to the Alaska Office of Victims' Rights, but she says she never received a response. Hardy finally spoke out publicly at a town hall meeting in Nome organized by the group of citizens frustrated by the lack of police enforcement of sexual assaults and other violence. Her willingness to speak openly about something so personal and traumatizing inspired others to also come forward. 22-year-old Deidre Levi is a basketball coach. She's from the native village of St. Michael. She says she also reported an assault to Nick Harvey last August. She was at the Nome Hospital for a sexual assault exam when he came to interview her. She says Harvey insisted on getting a glass warrant. That's a court authorization to secretly record a conversation with accused assailants to see if they might implicate themselves in some way. In Alaska, these recordings are a tool favored by prosecutors and police when investigating sex crimes. It's usually the first thing that Nome's district attorney asks for in an investigation. Most often, it's the victim who has to face their perpetrator on the phone. I was very angry because nothing had happened. Um, since my only option was to get a glass warrant, I was very consistent about the glass warrant, which never happened. At that time, that's my perpetrator was trying to get in contact with me. He was asking my friends for my number. Levi got frustrated and took her story to social media. Another woman, Susie, also lives in a village only accessible by air. She's Alaska Native and doesn't want to use her last name because she's afraid her perpetrator will retaliate. She reported her rape to Nick Harvey and another officer in 2013. She waited days in Nome for the glass warrant, but eventually had to go back home. She called the police over and over for the next two months until eventually she just gave up. She was too scared to tell anyone else what happened to her. She learned her accused rapist told police the encounter was consensual. Court records show he was convicted of three assaults before Susie's rape accusation. She still travels to Nome for medical appointments, but going there causes severe anxiety because she's afraid of encountering the man she reported. For every person like Hardy, Levi, and Susie, willing to talk openly about their struggle, there are many more afraid to talk or not willing to risk further trauma or retaliation. In all, at least eight women who talked to National Native News said they reported assaults to the Nome police. None ever learned what happened to their cases, much less why they never made it to court. We'll also hear about a group of people compelled to speak out and force officials to confront a long pattern of law enforcement neglect and incompetence. You're listening to a special report from National Native News and the Associated Press. I'm Victoria McKenzie. A call comes over Elizabeth Yakum's radio from a fellow officer who's responding to a woman outside on a cold gnome night. The woman said she'd been raped. How 56 is she? She's highly 56. Uh, we didn't get a brack. 
56 is police code for intoxicated pedestrian. Let me assist you with this. If medical staff deem the woman too intoxicated, she can't legally consent to a rape exam. Yakum takes the lead tonight as the only officer who has sexual assault response training. If you can stop by the station and grab the start kiss in case she's capable of getting the exam, and I will go up there and see if I can establish if she's capable of giving one. Jump four. The known police workload is now spread among a total of 11 sworn officers, including an investigator, and an additional two community service officers. The department has had a revolving door with an average retention rate of only two and a half years. They rarely had eight positions filled. In 2016, the city was down to five officers, one of them on medical leave. There was only one patrolman to respond to all calls on any given night. Police and city officials say the high cost of living and relatively low salaries make it hard to recruit and retain talented officers. In 2018, a community services officer pleaded guilty to punching a woman in his care. He was fired, but then the city rehired him to work as a dispatcher in the same department. In 2005, a jury convicted a known police officer of murdering a 19-year-old Inupiaq woman from the village of Unalakleet, south of Nome. Matt Owens shot Sonia Ivanov, left her naked body next to a service road outside of town, and tried to cover up the crime. Residents claimed that the city should have known that Owens was a danger to young women in Nome. After settling a $500,000 civil suit with Ivanov's family, the city of Nome quietly paid another $270,000 to settle remaining lawsuits filed by three women who said they were stalked, threatened, and sexually assaulted by Owens. Known police helped solve the Ivanov case, but many residents complained that investigators failed to talk to witnesses and were slow to follow leads. There was a department shakeup. In 2005, the city hired a new police chief who promised to heal the wounds with the Alaska Native residents. But in the end, there was never an outside investigation of police practices. The city is on its fourth police chief since then. Complaints continued to fester in that time, but hadn't boiled over until 2018 when a small group of Alaska Native residents started speaking publicly about the number of unsolved sexual assaults. A national Native news analysis finds that over the past decade, only 8% of all calls to known police about sexual assaults resulted in an arrest with charges filed. Officer Nick Harvey is emblematic of where sexual assault complaints stopped. Honestly, if you look back at a lot of uh, sexual assaults, within the police department that that particular officer did was always a like a no report he said she said kind of thing. Former Nome Community Services Officer Thomas Penatek trained under Harvey. He's a Nupiak and a member of the King Island Native community. He eventually left the department for a job in the Alaska Department of Juvenile Justice. His observation is backed up by a former Nome sergeant who didn't speak on tape but who said he was frustrated with shoddy police work and what he called the good old boy syndrome in the department. Former Sergeant Preston Stotts said that he investigated Nick Harvey's work on more than one occasion and that Harvey and others regularly failed to respond to felony calls and sexual assaults. He said he reported his concerns to the police chief and to the city manager. Nothing happened. In fact, Harvey was promoted. National Native News spoke to Susie, a woman who called police immediately after she says a man followed her home from a bar and raped her. 
She doesn't want to be identified because she's afraid of her perpetrator, who's still at large. But she released her medical records to National Native News. According to nurses' notes, Harvey brought her to the hospital, but then he tried to cancel the rape exam because the man she accused told him the sex was consensual. The forensic nurse did the exam anyway, but Harvey declined DNA collection. Susie's still afraid to come to Nome for necessary medical appointments. As the city was hiring its new chief of police, Bunhardy went public with the allegations she was drugged at a Nome bar and raped, and police failed to investigate. She blames Lieutenant Harvey's lack of follow-through for why her case languished and died. For one, she says he never delivered on his promise to get a glass warrant, a complaint leveled by several other sexual assault accusers. You know, if Nick would have done his job and got with that glass warrant and gotten their phones and gotten the video, that would make my, my case that much more stronger. But since it's all gone, they can't prove. That's why the DA is not going forward with charges. He doesn't have any hard evidence. Nick Harvey declined to be interviewed for the story. He's now a deputy clerk at the Nome Courthouse. A national native news analysis finds that between 2010 and 2017, only 25 cases of sexual assault in Nome made it to court. The Alaska State Attorney General denied a public records request for information indicating why the sexual assault cases were declined and refused to comment. Who or what prevented prosecution remains a secret guarded by police and the state attorney general. Nome residents also encounter barriers getting information from police, even for their own cases. Bun Hardy, Deidre Levi, and Susie all requested copies of the police reports pertaining to their alleged sexual assaults. None has gotten any records yet. At least one assault survivor who spoke to National Native News discovered in February that all traces of her case including forensic material, were simply gone. The Alaska Police Standards Council oversees police certification. State regulations require police departments to report instances of sustained misconduct to the council within 30 days. Their records show the council has only investigated one Nome officer over the past 13 years. That was Lance McElroy, who quit in November 2018 while under investigation pending disciplinary action. The council did not investigate Nick Harvey. At least five officers have left the department, including Nick Harvey and Lance McElroy. Coming up, we'll hear about a group of residents who got fed up with the lack of law enforcement response and charted their own strategy to change it. People who are involved okay, in it, people who are in the department, let's get them out and let's start over that is what again. You, that is something that is not going to happen as quickly as you would like it. I just know that. Frustration over Nome officials' inaction on sexual assault and other violent crimes boiled over in the summer of 2018. Residents voiced their anger at public meetings to try and spur some kind of response. ...from people who are in positions of power to hearing people who have been traumatized and traumatized and re-traumatized yeah. and traumatized over and over again to have some compassion and be thoughtful The process to get to that point started much sooner, more than three years before allegations started going public. I'm not just a troublemaker, you know? I'm not. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, this is my home. 
I love my home. I love my land. I grew up here. This is my ancestral land. This is my community, and I love my community. And I'm proud of my community. I really am. In conversations with other residents, Lisa Ilana picked up on a pattern. Pretty soon, she and others were meeting in her living room for mutual support and to chart possible solutions. I am not an expert in sexual assault and domestic violence, but I do know what I'm seeing in my community. Ilana is a Nupiak and a resident of Nome. The stories the members of the group shared with one another involved investigations that ended without any communication to the accuser. Worse, people in the group described how police seemed to blame those who suffered violence. Other times, survivors said that police didn't even respond to their calls for help. It became clear to group members that cases were more likely to reach a dead end if the victim was native. Pangangak Pangawi is Yupik. She lives in Nome, and her family is from St. Lawrence Island in the Bering Strait. There's a lower prosecution rate for victims who are indigenous. And so that not only creates more silence, so people are less likely to report when something does happen, but it also makes it so perpetrators uh, or, or predators more like people who are seeking to assault people. It makes, it makes it so Alaska Native women are an easier target because you're less likely to get in trouble for it. The group started seeking alliances to help them restructure a system that seemed stacked against victims. One of the logical first places for improvement was the police department. In 2015, they appealed to a community alcohol safety group that included Chief John Papasadora and asked for help establishing new policies and responses to sexual assault and domestic violence. They also spoke up at other collaborative meetings that the chief attended like the Regional Wellness Forum. Survivors shared their personal experiences. Two years went by. That took a while for us to see that that wasn't going to go any further. And that's when we decided then to go public. The advocacy group began drafting a resolution to present to the city council. And they began preparing their fellow residents. They alerted the hospital, the community center, and other service providers what was coming anticipating an uptick in people needing social and mental health support. We knew that when we started coming forward in a public way around, around this issue, survivors would start to feel empowered and begin to come forward with their situations too. In May 2018, several Native women stood up and addressed the all-male, non-Native city council, city manager, and mayor, and presented a three-page resolution calling for an outside review of the police department and its operations manual. They proposed over a dozen policy changes. The drive to get to this point is also informed by a long, unacknowledged history of abuse and betrayal in Alaska at the hands of government agencies and religious organizations. And Nome is not an isolated instance. Jim LaBelle is a former instructor at the University of Alaska Anchorage. He's a Nupiak from the village of Port Graham. LaBelle is also a member of the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition, and an Alaska Native historian. He's a survivor of the Wrangell Institute, a boarding school for almost 100 years in far southeast Alaska that was notorious for physical and sexual violence against young Native children through 1969. I think um, more people need to understand is that there's kind of a thing that says, oh, get over it. That happened a long time ago. But what they don't understand is that this 
stuff that has happened to us is cumulative. Abuse wasn't limited to boarding schools. In St. Michael, a village of just 400 people near Nome, at least seven Jesuit priests and one layperson are known to have sexually abused children between 1949 and 1986. The church apologized, and Oregon Jesuits settled a $50 million lawsuit brought by Alaska Native victims in 2007. There's all kinds of things that just kind of piled on. And there's never really been any uniform or creative way to deal with it. After the turmoil that culminated with the Nome city manager and the police chief both leaving office, residents took a positive step, electing an Alaska Native woman to city council. Megan Topcock is a Nupiak and an attorney. Her family is originally from Mary's Igloo on the Seward Peninsula. Her campaign highlighted the lack of Native representation in city leadership. She said officials either didn't listen to or failed to understand their Native constituents. Topcock says she was sexually assaulted after she moved back to Nome following law school. She didn't report it, partly because she didn't think her accusation would go anywhere. Part of it was kind of the fact that I didn't realize that it was sexual assault. And then the other half of it was that I had heard such horrible things from my friends who had reported that I didn't feel comfortable going through that myself. Topcock commends the group of women who came forward to try and change things. They are the reason she decided to share her own experience. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, nobody wants to go and tell a bunch of old white men what you just had gone through in your life and just hope that they'll understand and take it seriously. I mean, there's definitely people who don't take it seriously, and that just is frustrating. I think dampens people's voice, but the more people who speak out, the hopefully the more conversations we'll have, the more solutions we'll find. Lisa Alana and the other women secured a victory. The council agreed to appoint a commission to provide civilian oversight on public safety issues. It's the first city in Alaska to do so. Policy doesn't cost anything. You can write a rule. It'll stay there, regardless of who comes in next, right? They have to follow that same policy. There's procedures they can put into place that'll be there step-by-step procedures and how to handle certain situations that'll be there no matter who's employed at the police department. Alana says progress remains slow, but that they are seeing the first steps in what she hopes is a significant turnaround. Those relationships in small towns, they're all we have. We are all we have. And I really hope that the people that can affect change see this as not a us-against-them situation. I hope they see it as we're all in this together because we're all we have. This is a production of National Native News and the Associated Press. You can go to nativenews.net to read a transcript of the story and to find a link to an expanded web version. Production and editorial oversight came from Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation producer Monica Brain, Bob Peterson with Native Voice One, and Trip Krauss at Anchorage radio station KNBA. Music is by Torin Jacobs. The executive producer is Art Hughes. I'm Victoria McKenzie. 
This is Kiwanak producer Monica Brain. Since National Native News first started reporting on this project, there have been several developments. The American Civil Liberties Union of Alaska filed a lawsuit on behalf of Clarice Bunn Hardy. The ACLU faults the city and police department for what it calls a decades-long systemic indifference to the safety of Alaska Native women in Nome. The city's police chief, Mike Papasadora, stepped down from his post in September 2018. His replacement, Bob Estes, entered office promising a renewed focus on old cases. His staff, which included a slate of former colleagues from Estes's previous police department in Virginia, began a review of past cases. After a year in office, Estes resigned, calling the current operations at the department unsustainable. The staff he brought with him are all gone. The investigation into the backlog cases is halted. This project is produced with support from the Pulitzer Center and the Fund for Investigative Journalism. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.